Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, if you were expecting a bearded man in all black and vans, I am sorry to disappoint. Uh, Dom is taking a Sunday off, and so I get an opportunity to share with all of you, which I'm excited about. Um, If we haven't met, or if you're watching online and we haven't met, my name is Crystal, and um, every once in a while I get an opportunity to share in one of our messages, and um, if you haven't been able to check the message series out so far, we are right in the middle of a message series called The Inconvenience of Connection, and as Dom has been sharing with us, boy, can it be inconvenient sometimes. So in the first week, and I highly encourage you guys to go back and listen to them, but the first week Dom talked about how much it can be to take a risk to connect. And sometimes it's successful and sometimes we fail at it. Um, But overall, it just being this risk that we can take a choice to step into. And then last week he talked about kind of stepping outside of our comfort zones, right? Getting outside of what we normally do to be able to connect. And maybe that's joining a club or going to connect group. Maybe it's getting away from, not away from, um, stepping outside and meeting new friends that aren't just like you. And so today, what I want to talk about is I want to talk through what it looks like when the inconvenience is consistent, the essence of connection of what the cost can be when it's high to connect. And then I also want to talk through what it can look like in our lives and our faith when we feel like an inconvenience. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but I know that I have. So that's what I want to look at. And something that I've been trying to do differently um, in my own personal journey of faith is I've been trying to take the marked moments that I have in this experience, be it through music or something that's set up here, and carry that throughout the week with me. And a lot of times, for me, that ends up being a scripture. So I'm going to share a scripture with you all. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen, but um, I feel like this one is very relevant to what we're going to talk through today. It's Romans 5. Three through five, and I'm going to use the Passion Translation. But if you're not familiar with the Bible, there are a ton of different translations. So just use whatever you have. It says this, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in, in us patient endurance, and patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It's timely because I know for me, I've gone through a lot of things in my life that have felt inconvenient, a lot of connections that have happened throughout those times. And I am grateful. I wouldn't take them back. I feel like they have built this resiliency in me to be able to step into even more inconvenient times. Um, So let's hold on to that, but let's pray. God, I pray that today we would be able to lean close into you. I pray that there would be something spoken here today that's just for us. I pray that just for the next few minutes we would allow the noise, any anxious thoughts to dissipate so that we can hear what you have for us in this moment and that we could carry that throughout the week. Amen. Amen. 
All right, so I asked my daughter if I could share a couple stories about her, and she always says, okay, that's what I get. Um, so I want to share a story with you, but if we have been friends for more than five seconds or, or we have had any conversation, it likely has come up that I like to go to bed early. I'm, I'm not talking like nine. I'm talking like I want to be in my bed with my covers on by 8.15. In fact, I have people that will call me from work mostly and or they'll text me and they'll say, hey, I know it's 7.30. You're getting ready to go to bed, but I need to ask you this question. That's how bad it is. And it's been this way since I was a very tiny tot. My mom and I had a rhythm, so I blame her for this. I think it's a condition that we have of wanting to go to bed so early. But we had this rhythm, so we would go to bed super early because the next morning we would wake up, she would make my cereal, and then we would watch talk shows. Think, right, Mom? Sally Jesse, Renardo. That's how you know I'm almost 40 years old. Um, and sometimes Jerry Springer. Don't judge my mama. I've seen what you guys are letting your kids watch on TikTok. So that was our routine, okay? I like to go to bed so early. When I travel for work, which has been a lot lately, I am getting off work maybe 5. I'm in my PJs at 5.30. No joke back in the hotel. So one of the things, as I was thinking through this message, one of the rhythms of my life over the last couple of years has involved my daughter, who is quite the opposite of me. Now, she goes to bed early because like my mom, I've made it our routine, our rhythm. But if she could, she would stay up late, just like her dad, and she really likes to talk through everything. I'm not talking surface level small talk. She wants to talk about atoms and molecules and life and death and faraway galaxies and aliens and the Mayans and everything in between. So when I'm just dozing off, she'll say, Mom, what do you think about? And I'm like, oh, here we go. This is about to be about an hour conversation that we're going to get into. And there's these little moments that she kind of invites me into her world and to be honest with you, a couple of years ago, when she was a bit smaller, I would always be the champion of, let's talk about that tomorrow. I would want to find a more convenient time for me when I was awake so that we can chat through things. And then about five, six years ago, our life took a little bit of a turn, and I remember she started to sleep in my bed again, and I could see in her face that she needed to be understood. She needed to be heard. And I get a little bit emotional about it because I didn't see that before. The cost of the inconvenience in the conversation with her was just too high for me to pay attention to. And then something shifted for me where I saw it in her face. She needed to know that I knew what she had in that moment was precious. And so now we just get in the room at about 7.30 and then we talk for an hour and then I go to bed. But there was something that shifted in that moment. I don't know for you, I don't know if there's anything in your life or any relationships or any areas where you find consistent inconvenience in connection. But I want to talk through a couple of examples that I've seen. And then I want to tell you about a story in the book of John. And I heard this story not too long ago in a much different way than I've ever heard it before. But when I think through some of the areas of our lives where connection can be consistently inconvenienced, it's in these long distance relationships with a friend 
or a partner. There's different time zones. There's a lack of physical presence. You have to work to effectively communicate, right? Supporting someone through hard times. Maybe someone that's dealing with grief or illness or a personal crisis. It's difficult to do that, especially in an extended period of time when you are also trying to manage your own life. And even if you love them, sometimes that can be burdensome. Or am I the only one that feels that way? So that's one. The other thing that I was thinking through is bridging communication styles. So like, let's say you're someone that really loves to text and somebody else doesn't. That can be hard to stay connected if you see it in a different way, right? I asked if I could share this too. So my daughter, she texts like she is an 85-year-old grandpa who has never touched a phone. She hates texting, okay? If you've ever texted with her and she texts you more than two words, you are lucky. I told her that and she was like, that's funny because it's true. So she has this friend at school. She has a phone and her friend loves to text. Like, 800 emojis after every single thing that she says. She'll text her over and over and over, and my daughter will sometimes just write back K. So we've been talking through, like, what does that look like when you have a friend and you're learning how they communicate and being able to extend understanding and compassion because you love them and you want to connect with them, and, and what does that look like? This is a true story. So one time, uh, not too long ago, I was in Covington for work, and she had had the flu, and I, I had just left her, um, and my mom was taking care of her. And so I was texting her one day and calling her. She wasn't answering after school. And so then I texted her, and I was like, hey, I'm worried about you. Are you feeling okay? And she was like, yeah, that's it. And then I was like, okay, well, I was just worried about you, so I wanted to check in. And this is literally what she said. I know that, and that's fine. <laughs> I was like, okay, there we go, there we go. So that's something. What about like working with a group at work where you have conflicts, but you still have something that you have to get done? Sometimes that can be very consistent when it comes to being inconvenient with communicating with someone or maintaining friendships after really large life changes. Someone has a baby or goes through a divorce or moves away. Those are all things that take a lot of patience and understanding. So I wrote this down for you. It says, consistent inconvenience doesn't feel natural in the moment, but neither does growth. So just as, you know, long-distance calls take timing and work, and supporting someone requires a lot of empathy, and building trust again requires a lot of forgiveness, being in a season of life where there's a lot of consistent inconvenience when it comes to trying to connect with someone takes a lot of engagement on our part. So when I was thinking through that, you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, that's kind of life that happens. I think something that is profoundly more difficult is when we feel like the inconvenience. And I don't know if you've ever gone through something in your life where you feel like, uh, I'm going to deal with this on my own. I don't want to bother somebody with what I have going on. It's not worth it to even connect in this moment because A, I don't know how to explain it, or B, I might be a burden to these other people. I have definitely gone through periods of my life where I have chosen to disconnect. And the irony in that is when we choose to disconnect, 
a lot of times what we miss out on is a deeper relationship with someone else. It's the whole reason why we did this series because we wanted to talk through what it truly looks like to connect. Not with someone where it's convenient because I think sometimes our addiction to convenient connection is killing our ability to have raw, authentic relationships. So that's when we have to make a choice to connect, even when that requires courage in the face of our feelings. Here's a time that I feel like the most inconvenient person in the world. Who has moved in the last 10 years? Yeah. Uh, have you had to ask your friends to help you move? I feel like, hey, don't worry about it. I will pick up the washer and dryer. I'll move the refrigerator. No one helped me. I'll figure it out all on my own. When I was little, one time we were moving, and my mom and my uncle, you remember this? They were all uh, moving, like, the furniture. I don't remember where we were moving to, but I just remember they were taking so long that I hauled our washer machine. I was probably 14, 15. I hauled our washing machine out of the truck into the house by myself. I don't even know how we did that, um, but I, I made it happen because I feel like moving is such an inconvenience. Over the last couple of years, I have had friends that have helped me move into a house that I bought when I was married. They have helped me move out of that house when I went through a divorce. They've helped me move to another house when I rented, and most recently into an apartment. And I promise you that those were times that I did not want to connect with those people because I wanted to take care of those things on my own because they were so difficult. And there's a story we're going to get to read here in just a second. It's in the book of John, and I've heard it many times. But when I read through and I studied it this week, and when I went back to how I heard it before, what I saw is this inconvenient connection from both Jesus and a woman at the well. Y'all, I'm a country bumpkin, so you're going to hear me say woman at the well, and you're just going to have to deal with it, okay? So this story is in the book of, of John. I want to leave you this, though, if you are someone that likes to take notes. Feeling like an inconvenience, yet choosing to connect, turns our vulnerabilities into bridges towards deeper relationships. That's a lesson that I've been learning over the last couple of years, and my hope is that through this series, you're learning that for yourself as well. So this story is in the book of John, and let me kind of set it up for you. So during this time, Jesus and his disciples, the disciples had been baptizing a lot of people in the crowds, and they were gaining a lot of attention, and the Pharisees started to notice. So in the Bible, it says that Jesus abruptly made a decision to leave Judea, and he was going to the province of Galilee. And between there and where he was going to end up was this town in a town that was um, filled with people from Samaria. And you have to understand this about the story before we go any deeper. Samaritans and Jews, who Jesus was a Jew, they did not intermix. So it would be very odd, it would be very weird for Jesus to be having a conversation with a Samaritan in general. What made it even more interesting is that he's having a conversation with a woman. And they were all, it's a big deal because they're, from a gender perspective, men and women weren't having conversations. Surely women were not approaching conversations with a leader or prophet or a teacher. So this journey, when it comes to what Jesus was doing, 
was already inconvenient for him. He goes to this well, and he tells his disciples to go into the town. They needed food. So he's at this well by himself. He doesn't have anything to draw water from the well. So this woman, she feels like an inconvenience. She had basically been exiled for the group of people. She was known for having five husbands. She was not a woman's woman. People had basically disregarded her. And so because she so much so felt like an inconvenience, she made the decision that she would go to the well to get water when it was the heat of the day. And most of the women would go down in the mornings when it was cool. So she goes to the well, and there is Jesus. And he tells her that he wants a drink of water. And so throughout the story, we're going to read quite, quite a bit of this scripture, but throughout the story, she's kind of sassing with him, and I like her a lot for that. So she's having this conversation, but what we have to imagine is we can read this story, and you know it's easy kind of in the Bible to go through and gloss over, but if we looked at the context of this moment, this would have been a very tense moment. This person already felt like an outcast. Now she has a man, who's also a Jew, asking her for a drink of water. She feels out of place. She's just trying to get her water and leave. And now they start to have this conversation. So I'm going to walk us through a little bit of this story. And I'm going to start um, right at the point where the woman is replying to him after Jesus had asked her for a drink of water. It says, but if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again, and I will forever, and they will forever be satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, spring up and flooding you with endless life. Jesus was asking her for a drink of water, but he was asking her for so much more. He was asking her for a connection that transcends far, far beyond inconvenience. The woman replied, let me drink the water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back. Jesus knew she didn't have a husband. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. So let me stop just for a second. Something that I really love about Jesus and that I know I have felt in moments where I feel like a most inconvenient person is that he will use the most broken and jagged edged people to unlock something in others. If you took one of these little keys over and I think this is a men's shirt, and they have big pockets, so I really like that. So if you took one of those keys from where we had the snack table, the old keys, they were jagged in all the right places. And this was the only way that a door would be unlocked, the only key that would connect that door. Other keys wouldn't be able to have the same type of connection. It was that key that was broken in all of the right places that awakened something on the other side. And I just think that is so special how Jesus will use those of us who feel most broken to unlock something in someone else. 
I feel like the the message for, for me when I get to share, it always is intertwined with this idea that we can miss moments in our faith with God, and we can miss moments with people when we feel unworthy. But whenever we push past that just a little bit, there are depths of our faith, there are depths of our relationships with others that will unlock something in us that will be so profound and so unexplainable. And it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that. So let's keep going. So the woman is, you know, telling him she thinks he's a prophet. Jesus is telling her that there's going to come a point after she asked about worshiping in Jerusalem that we wouldn't have to do that anymore, that we would be able to worship in spirit and in truth. And then it continues to say, the woman said, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. The reason this was important was because that up until that time, Jesus had not revealed himself to the public as the Messiah. So he made a decision to reveal himself to a woman in public who had been seen as an outcast, who could have easily at any moment ran away. She didn't have to stay and engage in this conversation with him. So what courage that must have taken for her to be able to do as well. But he chose this person to tell for the first time, other than his disciples, that he was the Messiah. And it goes on to say, at that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman, yet none of them dared to ask why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to the village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village. The reason why this is so impactful is, and some translations say that this woman ran and told all the men. She knew how to connect with men. She wasn't a woman's woman. She wasn't running and telling the village of the women and children. She was telling the men in the village. And there's a lot of translations that talk through how because of this woman, people came to know Jesus. He unlocked something in her that she was able to go and share this message through the pain, through the scars, through all of the stories, and connect with people to come back to him. That wouldn't have happened had Jesus not made the decision to connect, even though it was inconvenient. And that woman not made the decision to stay, even though she felt like an inconvenience. And I just think that's so special. What I also found interesting in this story is if you read just a little bit more, it says that then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some food that they had brought from the village, saying, teacher, you must eat everything. But Jesus told them, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't know about yet. When I think about this, I think about Jesus introduced himself to her, and he introduced her to herself. He wanted so much more than a drink of water. And because of that connection, it changed history. There's a lot in between. 
But if you read to where Jesus went to the cross, and we're obviously getting ready to come up on Easter, one of the things at the very end of that moment with Jesus when he's on the cross is he says that he thirsts. I don't think he thirsts for water. I think he thirsts for you and for me. And how cool is it that no matter the place that we're in, in our relationship with God or ourselves or friends, that we have this opportunity of connection no matter where we're at. Back to the story of my daughter, this, you know, routine, I have learned the the essence of connection. I've learned that when I can allow myself to be inconvenient, she's inviting me into a world that I wouldn't have unlocked otherwise. I've learned what she's afraid of, insecure about. I've learned how difficult things over the last couple of years have been about her and what that's looked like for her at school. I've learned that our dog that died when she was probably four still traumatizes her. Those are really cool conversations that I get to have with her. I've had, you know, a lot of opportunities to be able to have those kind of conversations with friends, family, that are going through very difficult times. It is not convenient. I have so much going on in my life right now. I'm traveling for work and trying to be a mom and all of the things. And connection's not convenient for me. So if I'm out past 9 o'clock, I really love you a lot. But it's not convenient. It's never going to be convenient. We are always all going to have something going on in our lives that is rough. Because that's the world we live in. But also, on the other side of that can be deep, deep, authentic relationships that are super, super special. So I think what I want to challenge us with today is that we hold the lesson closely from the narrative of the woman, from our own personal stories of inconvenience and connection, and how that can be a transformative power if we choose to embrace it. Embrace it in our faith with God, with each other. I think we can, I think we can do that. I hope we can do that. And that's what I'm going to pray for us. So I'm going to challenge you guys to take that on with me today. Let yourself not just be inconvenienced, but in the moments that you know it matters most. When you can see it on someone else's face that it matters most to them. Allow that disruption in your rhythm to happen. And when you need it most, maybe even the more difficult part, say that. Lean into the people that you trust. Don't be afraid to connect because you think you're an inconvenience or a burden. Because in the story, I think that, you know, you don't find anything in the story where it talks about the woman actually giving Jesus a drink of water. Nowhere in the Bible. And she's never mentioned again. So she never drew him a drink of water, but she quenched his thirst. And what happens is, because she did that, 
there was a piece of his purpose that was fulfilled. And I think that's what happens for us. When we make that connection with God or each other, we're surrounded by people that allow us to fulfill our purpose. And that's super cool. Yeah? All right, let's pray. Father, in your wisdom, you've, you've shown us that connection and growth often they come wrapped in inconvenience. I pray that you help us see the moments not as obstacles, but opportunities to deepen our faith, our relationship with others. I pray that you grant us the strength to embrace our own vulnerabilities, to see the beauty and the vulnerabilities of the people around us. I pray that we're inspired by the story of the woman at the well, that we share encounters with you. We leave behind our water jugs, our burdens. We step into faith, knowing that you're with us in every challenge and every inconvenient moment. I pray that we find joy in the journey of connecting with other people, even when it stretches us beyond our comfort zones. I pray that your love and your grace would guide us as we navigate the complexity of issues. Pray that that timer would stop. It's not. And I just pray that your spirit empowers us to be bridges of understanding and love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, we like to say you don't have to go to church here to go to church here. That means you are already part of the community just by listening to the message today. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who may benefit from it. We would love to be a part of your journey of faith. Please visit us online at www.theheart.church forward slash next to see what your next step may be. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we would like to invite you to visit us in person this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how your relationships grow and how your faith grows.